punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there, and welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I am your host, Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell, joined once again by Nesson.com's Mike Cole and Scott Edwards. What's going on, fellas? What's up? Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> Riveting. Um, there's a lot to talk about today. The Bruins had a pretty successful road trip, a, a long, grueling road trip, we'll say, and some deadline talk. But let's start with the road trip, because I felt like their 500 would have been successful and they went 5 5 1 and 0 5 1 and 0 5 0 and 1 5 0 and 1 5 0 and 1 maybe right. thank you 5 0 and 0 they lost to Anaheim but with but in, like seconds left oh all right well they I won wish, 5 I wish I would forget that <laughs> they won they won 5 out of the road trip oh i that was my partially my fault because i thought wait hold on i'm just double checking the i guess i get caught up on <laughs> the well this is my only thing, the rangers game yeah that feels like it was part of this trip. So that's where I'm at right now, where I was like, yeah, they had a shootout loss in there, but that was actually like about a month ago now. So that's <laughs> that's not great. It just uh, it's, uh, the days all blend time together. Time flies when you're having fun. It does, and you know, time's a flat circle or whatever they say. Yeah. So 5-1-0 five, five, and oh on the road trip against some tough teams. Uh, they blew out the Kings. We talked about that, but and they – Probably should have at least gotten a point against Anaheim. That was kind of defeating in those last seconds. Second, um, but overall, I feel like the Bruins played really, really well. Jeremy Swayman looked good, and the whole team just really seemed to be clicking. Craig Smith got a hat trick. That third line there just really continues to be a bright spot for the Bruins. When I don't know, maybe the top line doesn't get any points or they're not scoring for whatever reason. But overall, I feel like Bruins fans should be happy with this road trip. I'm ready to call it. They're going to the playoffs. No way. <laughs> but, I mean, if they had gone 1-5 and five on that trip, things look a lot different. Granted, I think the bigger issue <laughs> in terms of handicapping their playoff chances before, even before the trip is that Columbus, Detroit, and the Islanders all suck. So, like, yes. <laughs> it was going to be hard to catch them anyway. But I, I mean, it's it's a fate accomplished now. I looked this up before we came in here. Uh, let's see, I've got the wrong window open. Sorry about that. The Athletic has their projections that they put out on March eighth. Bruins are well, they're five percent to win the cup, six percent to win the East, thirteen percent to win the Eastern Final. That's not what I wanted. What I really wanted was MoneyPuck.com, which is a good site. Their playoff projections gave the Bruins ninety nine point nine five percent chance. Uh, and HockeyReference.com, 99.6% chance it would be an all-time meltdown of meltdown proportions for them to melt down and miss the playoffs. Um, that's my big takeaway. Maybe that was something that we kind of already touched on recently, that that was, our, you know, no duh. But, like, I think, like I said, this is, like, one of their last really big tests. And I know the schedule gets a little difficult as well coming up. But to go out there and sustain the momentum that they built on the previous road trip, which I guess that now I'm looking at it, they didn't play that well. But just that, that stretch there after the Carolina loss, that 6 nothing loss, 
they had started to re- rebuild some momentum. And then, like I said, to sustain it while out on the West Coast on a tough trip, um, no matter how good or bad those teams are, it's always it's always a tough one. I thought the Vegas game was one of their most impressive wins all season. Like I said, like we mentioned at the end of last week's podcast, for them to go play that Anaheim game, lose it the way that they did, go to Vegas with a day off and where you could do whatever in Vegas, and to come out and take it to the Golden Knights from the jump, there wasn't any sort of malaise or hangover, real or figurative. Uh, is It was really impressive. So they're locked in right now. Um, I just thought it was a, a really impressive trip. Yeah, I I uh, I remember when we were trying to predict how many wins they get. I said four, and I definitely was like scared when I said it. <laughs> uh, but I think my biggest takeaway is even when they're losing, they're in it, right? Like that Anaheim game, they were down three one. They stormed the comeback. Unfortunately, they didn't get a point, but they probably should have. And I guess that's like their one problem going right now is the late game. Uh, they're letting up goals with seconds left, and that's just you know heartbreaking. But Overall, this is a really good hockey. I think we can at least say that like this isn't a this isn't just a run. This is a team that feels you know, they're healthy for the most part. They're just they're just playing on all levels that it's really exciting to watch them play hockey. Again, you know, you have problems to fix, but I don't think the final minute scoring of the opposite team will last all season long. And if that's like your one main problem right now, that's not a bad problem long term. So I think that's the exciting part. I mean, Swayman's continuing, you know, toot your horn, Mike, uh, <laughs> but he's continuing to play even well. Even when he lets in what four was it four goals in that? Um, who was who did they play? The Penguins. No, oh, no, no. On uh, the on Columbus. 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 Yeah, like yeah. even with that, he ever. I feel like he none was, of them were like super soft. I used lights out in the shootout too. Exactly. Yeah. Like the Yaka, uh, the Voracek goal was, yep. that was just lucky after making a brilliant save before that. Like it was the complete like feeling of, Oh my God, too. Oh, that, that was let down, but he's been playing great. And like you said, lights out in the shootout. So <laughs> all confidence for the most part, even after a tough loss, you know, on uh Monday, all confidence. And Cassidy said too, that with the, um, Blue Jackets game that when he saw Swimmy make that save, he's like, that's it. Like, that's the game that's right. going to put us away. And it just didn't happen that way. But it is kind of a troubling trend. The Bruins have been letting up late goals, very late goals. And, you know, with 1.8 seconds left, 22 seconds left, Cassidy did say after Wednesday's practice that they did try to work on that a little bit. How you work on that and non real time, I don't know. <laughs> but it's. uh got <laughs> to just be clearing attempts. Just yeah. Clear yeah. The so, I mean, it's that's definitely something – it's concerning because if you're going to lose a game in the final seconds, especially, you know, one of, one point makes a difference. If they got yeah. one extra point, they would be tied with Toronto in the standings for third place. But it's, it's going to be a shootout to the end for probably third and maybe even second place for in the Atlantic division. But I think if that's our only concern, like major right. concern – I think the Bruins are in good shape for the most part, but it's still very, I mean, they should have beat the Ducks. They should have beat the Blue Jackets. These are teams they probably should beat, and you can't be getting complacent in the final seconds of a game. That's fair. I guess I guess the way I'm looking at it is, is you're, you're taking it to the Golden Knights, taking it to the Kings, two teams that are at least in playoff contention. 
you know um but i i totally get what you're saying like you should get the wins that you get i mean the past few seasons i mean before this year was like detroit was like their achilles heel for no reason because why not so it's not like it's um a crazy idea to think that they struggle against the lesser teams because it happens but I, I i don't know i think they're set up for um at least a solid run as long as moves are made and whatnot but i i feel better after the road trip than i did going into the road trip. that makes sense yeah that's that's how i feel too yeah. much better i was apprehensive you know maybe cautiously optimistic i i was I was just happy if they'd be 500, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely happy coming out of it. I think, you know, Mike said it, their schedule doesn't really get any easier. It's They're in a big stretch of the season here, and they a lot of that is going to, how they finish, is going right. to be on not, is finishing games. Like, do not let teams give up goals in those crucial seconds, but also Jeremy Swayman. And, yeah. I mean, I feel like every week we, have, we say something about him just because of how good he is. And Cassidy today said at practice that, He's a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead of Allmark for that number one position, and I feel like Cassidy has been always saying that it's never yeah. he's the number one. He's way ahead of Allmark. It's always he's a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead. Allmark handles it really well, but I think the eye test. I just think that Swayman has more poise than mm. Allmark, more maybe more confidence. Yeah. Maybe that's just rookie confidence. Maybe he's just a, a psychopath and he's just going to be a really good goalie for the rest of his career. But I think. At some point, Cassidy's going to have to say, Swayman is ahead of Allmark. There's none of this little bit. Like, he is ahead of him. There are two main storylines the rest of the season. Because, like I said, the playoff thing is is locked up. They're probably not going to move around a ton in the standings. It comes down to, like I said, what they do at the deadline is one of the big storylines. And the other one is the goalie situation. And... Yeah, I, I don't foresee us having the conversation on May 3rd. Like, you know, Swayman is, is ahead of Olmark for now, I think. So I think if you look at these last uh, third, 20, 25 games, 25 games exactly, it's, you know, all right, boys, like this is a competition and you know, number one goalie in the in the playoffs is up for grabs. That being said, we're we getting way ahead of ourselves. I do wonder, now I'm kind of like talking myself out of my own point, <laughs> is if they, we've seen this in the past where we saw it, we've seen it with the Bruins in multiple playoff series, their opponents where the, you know, the goalie, it's a bit of a juggling act. And uh, I do wonder if maybe they'll be a little bit quicker to make a move if Swayman or whoever, if if it is Allmark, who's the number one goalie by the time the playoffs roll on, they're more likely to make that move than maybe they have been in years past. And you can go back and look at last year and say maybe they should have gone to Swayman when Rask was hurt. You know, that's in the past. So, but I do think like a, a big area of focus for them down the stretch should be figuring out what their lineup's going to look like after the trade deadline and making a call on a number one goalie at least entering the playoffs. And I. Cassidy said today too that it's the time in the season that they are drilling down on their lineup. If this isn't about oh we have to get our seventh defenseman in and take one of our top guys out, so I think that there's going to be a lot of consistency, and we've seen a lot of consistency recently. The only change, I mean, the only change for Thursday's game is going to be Grizzly will go back in and Swayman starts between the net. So we're starting to see that consistency. Um, you know, the the trade deadline is approaching. It's a two, a little less than two weeks away. 
two weeks from this past Monday. So it is approaching. It's the Bruins. I mean, they need help there. I don't I don't think that's overstating anything, but they emerged Wednesday as teams that were reportedly among several other teams in the hunt for two defensemen, um, two Jacobs. So we have Jacob Chikrin, who we've mentioned several times on this show, and Jacob Middleton of the San Jose Sharks. Both left shot defensemen, both would obviously be a good fit for the Bruins. Um, I mean, I think that I've gone so back and forth on what the Mm -hmm. Bruins need, if they need scoring or if they need defense. And I probably just should have stuck with my original thought of defense because the last few games, and especially on this road trip, I think the defense has been highlighted as an area of need, an area that Don Sweeney probably should address at the deadline. Um, Jacob Middleton seems nice. didn't really know too a whole lot about him from the Sharks. Left shot. He's big. He's strong. Um, and he's not afraid to drop the gloves, which I think the Bruins could benefit from. I don't know. I think that I think he costs less than Chikrin, but I think that if the Sharks are willing to sell, maybe the Bruins should give them a call. Scott? Uh, well. <laughs> I'll defer to you for <laughs> I'm cooking uh, up something over here. Okay. So. Well, the thing on – I think it's fair to say – they need both. Like, I think they need a little help in both. It's not like you can't go into the playoffs with one the way it is. Like, you can go into the playoffs with one of them the way it is. But I think no matter what, you need a move here to improve something, right? You need to improve either the offense or the defense because, like we've been saying, like Mike really pointed on, is that you kind of give to take. So, like, you know, you have Patrice Bergeron that makes the defense better. but if you're going to go get an offensive guy that's going to score, then you have to accept that. But at the same time, you want a defender to help this team. And you know, looking at Middleton, looking at um, Chikrin? Chikrin? Chikrin. I always, <laughs> I always mess up his name. But uh, if you look at either one, like clearly they're very, very far apart in terms of value. Get, assuming in terms of trade value. Um, but... But I think if you go get a Middleton, um, you kind of set yourself up to also get a top or one of the top forwards that are available. But if you go get Chikrin, then you're probably staying back a little offensively. You're probably going to get someone, but you're not going to go get a Tomas Hurdle or a JT Miller. Probably you're probably going to get one of maybe the um, cop from the Jets makes sense if you do that. I have refined my Bruins trade deadline strategy. I have picked a lane and I feel comfortable the lane I'm currently residing. And Scott, basically, I should have just jumped in front of Scott because he stole my thunder. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I, uh, I like the idea of Middleton. Uh, RFA, $750,000. Not going to come in here and be Bobby Orr or even Zdeno Chara, but he gives you toughness he gives you a little bit of size. He's a, you know, he's mid 20s, doesn't have a ton of NHL experience, but he's a guy who's been playing 20 even close to 20 minutes a night, playing big penalty kill minutes on the second best PK in the league. Kind of shores up a lot of those things without having to break the bank both in terms of assets and financial uh, you know, commitment. Chance to bring him back longer term. Um, but again, you don't have to go nuts for a team that 
the numbers for now at least seem good. Like they seem like they're a, you know, whether it's the the forwards, whether it's defensemen are maybe playing better than than we realize, or maybe the advanced numbers are just hogwash. And I'm wrong to begin with, but I'm just going off of those expected goals numbers. And I'm going off of the fact that the goaltenders, both of them, but especially Swayman, have played better recently, and that has led to more success on the whole in the last five weeks or so, maybe even a little bit less than that. Um, and so, you, know, you mentioned Cop is the exact type of winger I'd be looking at. Um, you know, I maybe you're you're more likely to to go out there and want to try to find a a right winger, but I just looking at you know, the list right now, it's like, I mean, maybe it's Raquel. Like, if maybe that's an, an avenue to go. I like Raquel. The numbers, the the money are is similar for both of them. I just, you know, I like, I like that idea where you're not going out necessarily. You don't need to go get, you know, hurdle. But it's, you're doing a little bit of both, and I don't think you're giving up a ton to do it. And it's one of those things where I look at, you know, I know Chikrin is is somebody we've talked about a lot. I, maybe the Coyotes decide that they want to cash in that chip uh, at the deadline. I wonder maybe that feels more like we didn't get the, the offers we wanted. There were teams that were interested, but we're going to hold on to them and see what happens in the offseason. And maybe that's a time for a team like the Bruins to revisit that. I mean, maybe they end up making the move anyway. It just feels... The more I think about it, the the less inclined I am to want to make a huge deal if I'm a team like the Bruins at the deadline when I'm I have a playoff spot all but locked up. I think they are I mean, Mike Milbury said you're smoking dope if you think the Bruins are cup contenders. Then I am starting to partake. Because <laughs> like new hobby. Yeah, I'm not there completely yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went on a deep run. And so now I'm looking at this as Maybe it's just best off just kind of tweaking it, not on the margins, because I, I think that saying margins is a disservice to, to a guy like Cop, who I think is, is pretty good, or Raquel, or even Hurdle, if they can find a way to swing that. So like those are, I this feels a lot like the uh, 2018 deadline for me. Is that when they brought in Johansson? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. That's the kind of deal I'm looking for. Yeah. Those kinds of, you know, you're not compl- it, It's not the Rick Nash trade. It's it's those ones where it's, you know, middle six wingers yeah. and uh, you know, depth defensemen, and just let's see if we've got enough here up top to make it work. Do you think bringing someone in like like Middleton is kind of hoping like if if they bring him in, they're getting what they wanted to get from Forbert? The size, the yeah. Well, so like this is, I I don't think I would stop at Middleton either. I think I would be looking. I'm turning over every rock for those depth defensemen, and not necessarily, you know, the Chickrins or you know whoever else you want to point out. It, it, maybe it's, I mean, Giordano makes so much money. Uh, <laughs> you know, I that's the I'm looking at like one and a half million and below type of type of move for so where when it rolls around and you know you're getting you know you're getting the piss knocked out of you by like the islanders last year or whoever it's going to be this year i mean toronto is probably a bad example but like one if you run into tampa 
like you're going to need you, just to have those options to kind of cycle them back in. Yeah. And it's not break glass in case of emergency. Jack of Sean is right. now playing 20 minutes a night for you against a team that is just going to beat his brains in. Um, so I, that's what I would, when it comes to the, I don't think, I don't think defense is a huge issue for them. I really don't. I've, I've been pretty mm-hmm. consistent with this. I just think you want to have options yeah. when you get to, to the spring. And I think, um, you know, Middleton is that type of type of option. Uh, just looking at like the list right now, like Robert, how, like there's, I, there's probably got, like, I'm just looking at the trades, uh, trade bait list at, at TSN right now. And like, I actually kind of think if they're going to do something that's going to make me happy in that regard, it's probably not on this list. It's just something yeah. that you're not really thinking about. So we'll see. I mean, that's kind of like, a lot of those. And that's the thing too. I think we can talk about this more probably next week. Cause next week will be our last show before yeah. the deadline. Mm-hmm. Sweeney to his credit is pretty stealthy when it comes to like who saw, um, you know, who saw a lot of these deals coming and right. you know, the why can't Johansson one would come completely out of nowhere, even the Charlie Coyle trade, right? Um, and they, I mean, Johansson was helpful when he was here, Co- yeah. Coyle obviously is what he is, and he's yep. been a, a, under the radar kind of signing, and I even think. those those ducks moves that they made, um, which I liked, it's just it didn't it didn't work out with right. you know, um, because of injuries and, and things like that, so. Yeah, I think there's probably stuff there that they're working on that we haven't really heard about. But they do seem like they're in on everybody. Mm-hmm. So, which I guess is what you prefer. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> well, the other thing is too is if you call about Chikrin and you get a price on Chikrin, then you can turn around and if you're working something that people don't know about, then it's all of a sudden yeah. here's no the market is this, yeah. and we're not going to give up three first rounds for that when I can go get Chikrin for right two and a, a fifth or something. So. I like the idea of Chikrin. I really do. But the more I read and the more that I see the teams who are interested, reportedly interested in him, I just think he's going to cost way too much. And understandably so. He's young. His contract is very attractive. He's got term. And it's, I mean, the Coyotes, they need to sell, 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 yeah. sell the team, sell whatever. But, I, I mean, as much as I'd like Chikrin, I don't think he's worth giving up maybe a Fabian Lysel. Uh, Mason mm-hmm. Laura, first round pick. Like, it, it, no there's just, me. I think it'd be too much. Yeah. I would be shocked if they traded any of those guys. Me too. I don't, I think those are untouchables. I don't really like claiming anybody as untouchable, but I think those two, um, Lysol and Lorai, are very much untouchable. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I think the only way they'd even slightly consider is if you're getting a guy with a contract attached, you know, right? Like, you're not going to go get a rental with one of them at all. There's no way. Um, it would have to be like JT Miller. Yeah, yeah. Because ha- like I can get by, I can get behind that with like a proven guy. Yeah. But you you really have to be sure that he's proven because you know. I still don't see Lysel getting moved. Right? And there's yeah, because like I don't think there's a player out there who is you know is a slam dunk. You know he's going to come contribute for right. three or four years, and it's okay to take that risk because that's the thing. I'm all right trading away first round picks. That's my, yeah. but like, because at least that's not a tangible asset yet. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a lot easier to kind of to screw that up than it is to, to screw up a prospect you already have. So. Well, it's going to be a very interesting next two weeks, maybe even the next couple of days as talks begin to heat up as. 
maybe pre-deadline trades start to happen. I think it just takes really one domino to fall before teams start getting on the phones and being like, crap, we need to do something <laughs> before we lose out on a JT Miller or maybe Chikrin. I don't think Chikrin's going to be the first to go. Uh, I think Darren Drager said today on TSN that that's probably going to be a deal that goes up to the deadline. So you know, 2.59 um, on deadline day. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Truba. Yeah. When Truba yes. was always going to get traded. You know, that it kind of feels exactly the same because the Bruins were rumored to be in on him yep. at one point too. And like, just feels exactly the same every time I hear it. <laughs> I'm, now I'm deep in it. <laughs> uh, Going down the rabbit hole. Jacob Middleton, Josh Brown from Ottawa, and uh, Andrew Kopp is my official trade deadline prediction right now. All three? Yes. Ooh. Oh, wow. I like it. And Brown and like Middleton or whatever. Like I was just looking at Brown on Twitter, <laughs> and one of the things I found was like a – him having a horrible pinch against the Bruins in the Saturday afternoon game. But uh, <laughs> I just, like, we don't need to get into, this is not a Jacob Brown, or excuse me, there's too many J's. I'm just going to, it's Josh Brown. It's not a Josh Brown show. He's, two, he's 6'5", 221. That's a big body. He's fought twice in the last week. Uh, All right. But, like, that type of deal. So I like it. Like, I don't think they need a major move. I think they need, like you said, a Marcus Johansson kind of move where it's enough to make an impact, enough to get you into a deep run. You don't need to be demolishing your farm system and giving up this and that for a, a chicken or someone like that. You just need somebody who's going to solidify your defense, provide a little help on scoring, and then bring you to the Stanley well, Cup playoffs. It's not going to completely screw up your forward lines either, your right. defensive stuff that I talked about that Scott reiterated. Um I also think too, like it's a it's a big week for like Eric Halla. Yeah. You know, or big two weeks, I guess. Like, what is what does that look like as the deadline gets closer? And do you right. feel comfortable with him playing the role that he's currently playing? I right. I don't know. That's a that's a big question mark over the next two weeks. Right, because so. it's all about if he can stay sustain how he's been playing. I mean, the Bruins do need a second line center. And but- is he playing well because of? his line mates as opposed to right you know, whatever sorry I mean, I no know. you're gonna get the best when you're i mean i said about jake debrusque you're gonna get the best when you're playing alongside some of the best but it's also i mean i don't know if i should say it's a next big next two weeks for nick felino too i think he is what he is but someone like eric Halla, who has been playing well kind of solidified a spot on that second line but i mean we could play what if Krejci wants to come back we could play what if there is that second line center out there where does he go do you mess up the chemistry because right now you're not touching that third line. I like that third line a lot. I like the Krejci game. It always ends in sadness. <laughs> it always ends in <laughs> sadness. I do think, and this, I can, we'll revisit this one. I think the hurdle thing is still out there, too. I just do. I think that's a possibility. I think that's like, there's like different columns of yeah. plans here. I think one of those columns starts with hurdle. I think the more likely and the more preferable from my standpoint is the one that I was talking about which is more kind of just like a mixed bag. Yeah. I do think there's one that starts with Hurdle. I think there's one that starts with Chikrin. And then there's probably like a you know, a Miller one that is probably pie in the sky. But Milton plays for the Sharks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good <laughs> point. Like a big one. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> if you just wanted to get crazy. That's interesting. But that is that's something too that the TSM was talking about that they're with um with hurdle, that's a lot of talk about a, a potential contract yeah. extension. So that one could go down to the wire too. We'll see. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting. There's gonna be a lot of speculation and a lot of rumors. But do we have any parting thoughts on Chikrin, Middleton, Hurdle, Johansson? <laughs> no, I mean we. This is like typical 
us where we just squeeze three weeks of content out of it. <laughs> uh, was there anything else we missed? Like, I don't know. They they played well on the, the road trip. Tough loss on Monday, but, you know. Yeah, I don't this know. Is kind of, it's a holding pattern until the, the deadline it gets is. here. So. As long as they keep playing like this, we'll uh, keep having podcasts like this, which isn't a bad thing. That's true. I mean, the, the Monday loss hurt to watch. It hurt, it hurt like, because... They pretty much owned that game. Yeah, it is. You know, the disappointing thing if you're the Bruins is, like, that is a penciled-in loss. Yeah. Yeah. First game back from a long road trip mm-hmm. against a team that you beat the living snot out of that is a week a before. Decent like, team. It's they should like have lost. They, they should have. I fully expected them to be down 3 nothing midway through the first period. Mm-hmm. So that is the fact that that didn't happen yeah. and they still found a way to lose it is the, the disappointing thing. Yeah. So I guess that's a, a positive from a negative is yeah. that they, they did not get the snot kicked out of them. So. Yeah, that's I guess that's kind of my final thought, though. I think uh, I think the next two weeks will be really interesting, not just because of the trade, just the way certain players play because they know. You know, they know they're being watched more than before because of the deadline. So it should be fun. It should be fun indeed. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the Ness and Bruins podcast. That's what you're supposed to do for with podcast. And until next week, that is Scott and Mike, and I'm Lauren. See you later.